Welcome, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to Captain Mediocre's Haunted Tiki Bar. We are your hosts, Drew and Orlando. Have a seat. Grab a drink. Our main drink this evening is on reflections of personal growth. So if this is a bit more your pace, come by, have a drink. I've come to ponder a little more since our, since our last session. It's come to dawn on me about how, how far I've come as a person. I know everyone has to learn things and has to grow little by little, but from what I've come to see from certain people, it's not something you general you always do anyway. I think there comes to a point where we often come at a crossroads, whether we decide to learn from our mistakes or learn from our unfortunate circumstances or we dwell on them. Now, I'm not arguing that you can't have legitimate reasons for your shortcomings. I think we can all say that we've all had such things at one point in our lives. That goes without saying. But it's more on the grounds of how long can we justifiably use those unfortunate circumstances to keep us where we are. Because unfortunately, the ultimate truth is that there comes to a point where such circumstances can no longer contribute to why you're struggling. And you must now take personal responsibility. It's not something people like. It's not something that we like to confront because let's face it, not many people enjoy the idea of being their, the fault of their own downfall. It's not very easy for one to look at themselves and say, this is my fault. I haven't done enough or this is where I screwed up. Ego often butts heads with personal growth. But I think that's where you have to make that decision where personal growth is where at its most critical. I have to be honest with myself. I'm not where I am. And for a good portion of my life, I have blamed my personal tragedies on the stunning of my own personal growth. But I have to admit that at some point, they're no longer what matters anymore. They're no longer what's keeping me down. I understand that to some extent, it's my own personal fault that I am not where I want to be. The past is the past. And whatever has screwed me over in the past, and believe me, if you know me, you'll understand the shit I've gone through. But at the end of the day, 
those distant tragedies no longer or should no longer affect my current progress. I'm not perfect. I, I never was. I never played out to be. And I haven't been the best person I could possibly be either. I know I've wronged people in the past and my apologies can never be enough. There are some bonds that have severed on my personal part and those are bonds that can never be never be uh, brought back. All I can say for that is that I apologize because whatever mistakes you have made, they pale in comparison to mine. And for that, I can only hope that with what I learned from my mistakes, that you can have a better life, that your life is as given as much prosperity as you deserve and hope that whatever ill differences there are between us, you can move on. You can let it go or not. It's your choice. I won't blame you. I know that part was a bit of a tangent. My apologies. Uh, but the thing to understand is that personal growth comes in all different levels. It comes from all different angles and it makes us who, are, who we are. It's sometimes we have to learn to accept that there are indeed faults in us. We have to look at them squarely and perhaps courageously if it's not something you like to look at and I don't blame you there, but Sometimes you have to look at it squarely in the face and admit to yourself that you did screw up or that you did, you do have flaws. But as long as you're willing to work on them, you're not out in the, you're not out in the race yet. I have a home that's not necessarily great. It's not necessarily in the best neighborhood. In fact, I keep my friends and loved ones out and the safety and precaution, make sure that they don't ever succumb to anything dangerous. I'll take that risk alone. But I know that even here in the least favorable circumstances, I know that I'm free. I know that I can do as I please and improve my craft, improve myself, and however I see fit. It gives me the opportunity to do things like this podcast and help me reflect upon myself because I have friends such as my co-host here who basically dare me to look at myself and be honest with myself. So, yeah, in part, I, I do thank you for at least giving me the courage to look at my own faults and, and face them head on instead of just wallowing and blaming others for my, for my own foolishness. Glad to help, sir. Again, I apologize if I went off on tangent. <laughs> this is mostly on a personal reflection sort of thing. I mean, that is the whole point of 
personal growth, but that's, that's the whole idea. That's the concept here. It's the importance of personal growth and why people tend to, or at the very least are, are reluctant to take advantage of that specific concept. It's, um, I think for me, personal growth, it, it, there's different metrics that you can look at in, in those kind of regards. And I, at the end of the day, I think everyone should measure personal growth against itself. If you, if you measure yourself against another human being, you're only going to end up falling short because that person is on a completely different path than you are. They're a completely different person. <clears throat> and I, and I'd say that, and I I'd say that even in the weird obtusity of, um, twins, like the yes, DNA wise and everything else, it's exactly the same person, but you are both responsible for yourselves at the end of the day. And divergence is one of the, one of the greatest attributes of mother nature. And she gives it out frequently, freely, even to those who are genetically the same. So I want, I, I for me, if you want to use, if, if you want to look at how you, how you are doing, you should always measure yourself on how you were doing versus how you were doing now. If you are doing better than where you were before, then that in, in and of itself should be a, 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 a marker or a milestone for you. And it seems like you are because contrasting from the from your past, you've acquired much more than you had before. Or you've at the very least restabilized in ways that you probably didn't have access to in in previous, you know, in previous years. Absolutely, I agree, and it's something that I do look to every single day. I think I, I look to what I used to be, and while I'm not, I'm not where I'd like to be. I'm definitely better off than where I used to be. And it is a mark of pride, to sort of speak, knowing that I'm not I'm better off than what I used to be. And I couldn't be happier, buddy. I think at that I think at that it, it's something to be it's something to have to, to be encouraged by. And if there were anybody out there who's listening to this who's finding themselves in a hard place. I, I, and you maybe you're in a dark place because of it. Now, always know that every day yields further opportunity as much as it yields further chance for misfortune. And honestly, when you get break it down, every chance that you have is a chance to further yourself. And I say this in a, for a number of reasons. One, because it's it's just a matter of encouragement to our listeners. But two, um, having having people in uh, in my life who have kind of given to despair in one way or another. It, it's, it's sad to watch. I can understand when people do that kind of stuff. I mean, you can never know how someone's feeling. Even if you, even if you reach out to them and they articulate it, it you, 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 empathy can only go so far and personal horror and pain is something that's very, very difficult to pour onto others for two reasons. One it, sometimes you just can't conceptualize it for somebody 
And two, you genuinely don't want to pour it on other people because to you, you're just a vault holding it all in in hopes that it doesn't spill out and hurt other people. So w- with that, it, it personal growth tends to take a back seat in those cases to just survival and as being a focal point for some people. So with, with those kind of situations, any market improvement is something that should be appreciated, if not celebrated in some cases, depending on how far you've come. So to you, I say kudos and to everyone else out there and out there uh, around the Island, I say the same. If every day that you've gotten up, you woke up and had an out, had an optimal optimistic outcome on things or an optimistic viewpoint. I I commend you for it. Continue going forward. You need it because if you can't look at things for the persp- from the perspective of life's little victories, no matter how benign it seems to to others, even if you glean some sort of satisfaction from it, that's for you. It's not for anybody else unless you're sharing it with somebody and they are celebrating with you in that regard. Absolutely. There is nothing wrong with cherishing every minor victory you have. Let's get this understanding. The significance of each victory is not in its in itself, but the contribution of the larger goal. You might think that having a huge dream may be impossible, maybe too large for you, considering your circumstances. But for every small goal that you achieve, it contributes to that victory, that end goal. You just don't realize it yet because you feel insignificant in that victory. And no, it's something to be proud of. I mean, you don't have to necessarily jump for joy that you've made that such small milestone. But, you know, it's not something to shrug off. You did it. And it's one step closer to where you want to be. Don't let it mean, don't let it be meaningless in your venture, in your pursuit. One of the things that I've always noticed, and I've, I've, I'm notorious for this as well. And it's something that I've actually come to improve upon myself as I've gotten older is I very much get overwhelmed by the sheer, by the sheer scope of a, of a particular objective. And what ends up happening is it gets to the point where I just cannot bring myself to start doing it because I look at every every position and every mechanic, every bullet point on it as one giant cluster, and the prospect becomes so daunting that it's it's hard to really go forward at, at that and try and make any kind of progress on it. And if it wasn't for uh, a, re- a, re- a really uh, encouraging but you know practical manager I had in my life, I don't think I would have realized that aspect about me, and I probably would have gone on, you know, getting into my own head about things. And I still do from time to time, but understanding that each individual uh, activity towards the greater goal is the better way to look at things, especially in that regard. Yeah, as he put it, how do you eat in this weird little euphemism? How do you eat an elephant? One bite at a time. And that's really the way it, you need to look at things in that. And it, it seems obvious when you say it, but a lot of people don't 
don't visualize in that regard. They, they fall in the same category as I do, where it's just like, I cannot see scaling this mountain. Well, don't scale the mountain. Work your way up the summit first. And then worry about this chunk and then this chunk. And by the time you get to the top, you've already done everything. That should be the same way with any any forward motion that you make in your life. I agree. That's kind of how I'm doing it when it comes to building my own company at the moment. I'm building it off one piece at a time. I have Kurt, my my first goal was to buy a uh, a drawing tablet and then buy an art program and uh, I'm practicing daily or at least I'm trying to just pushing it to years before this would have been completely inconceivable to me. And now here I am just working it towards a little bit, just allowing my ideas to flourish and not let it simply decay. And as I do nothing with it also, you know, on the side note, I take it we both know this manager who you speak of. I won't mention his name, but uh, I was just curious. Yeah, that's, that's the same one. Fair enough. Uh, in all honesty, I think I, I think I underestimated him, in all honesty. <laughs> he, he tried to do the same with me and try to, at the very least, appeal to my sense of intellect and I basically brushed it off in all honesty I challenged his reasoning whereas I should have at least been more open to it I'll give you props good sir wherever you are hope you're doing your what your damnedest hope you're doing well yeah same scenario for me but in that regard I think I think if it, if it was coming from a more intellectual standpoint he would have appreciated the challenge because he, the, the, even the way he, he raised his own, his own child was he always questioned his kids' motives and the way that they did things just to basically reaffirm the, 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 solidar- the, the, the solidity of what, that, what his kid was doing. He wanted to make it so that he always was questioning the reality around him and coming to greater and more, greater understanding by, by doing so. Being inquisitive is not the worst thing in the world. Curiosity is is not is not as big of a, a, a debilitating experience for people as mo- most people like to throw around, especially when they use the the the, the uh, euphemism attached to that. Because again, in another scenario, it's not the full story. They only use part of it. Curiosity killed the cat is only half of the statement. It's the, the other half has to do with vindication or satisfaction. It's like, yeah, curiosity kills you, but guess what? You found out what you wanted to find out, and by doing that, you, you've developed as a person. The, the, the focus it, always ends up being more maudlin. It's like, oh, well, you're curious, and you got, you, you got consequences for it. Everything has consequences, good and bad. Agreed. It's the final lesson that the cat learned. At least they learned. Maybe a bit too late, but they learned. Yeah, it was. I believe it's curiosity killed the cat. However, satisfaction brought it back to life. Is I believe the full the full statement. Fair enough. Food for thought for people out there. 
And I'm sure if I've said it wrong, I'm sure someone will bring it up at some point. I'm not worried about it because I don't I don't claim to know everything. And God help me, I, I, I my 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 uh, my personal philosophy is it's much easier to to it's much easier to assume a position of knowing nothing and appearing and appearing much smarter because you have the answers to the questions being presented than appearing to know everything and then floundering in front of people and find and people finding out that you literally know nothing. You learn more much by being receptive than you are being uh, possessive in that regard. Yeah, just open-minded. Trust but verify. Always open-minded. I mean, you could go the more blunt force route and you could use the... uh, one of the one of the Star Trek uh, Ferengi rules of acquisition, which is hear everything, trust nothing, which is a bit more a bit more uh, harsh. But at that regard, it's not wrong on its base. You shouldn't, unless you are given raw data that you can that you have that you can look over and confirm. There's literally no reason that you should believe anything that's going on around you, as far as. Uh, innuendo and posturing and any kind of social contract based stuff that's happening in your perimeter always have more information and it goes on with that kind of stuff you know in, in out into space effectively but being uh, being observative being observational and being uh, open-minded is also another also aspects that can contribute to to personal growth because the more you're aware of, the easier it is for you to make uh, con- contextual decisions based on what's going on. True, true. The more open-minded a person is, the more they're willing to ver- the more they're willing to understand the argument that's being made at hand, rather than being completely ignorant to the fact. In other words, it allows to diffuse whatever statement is being made it allows a more peaceful engagement rather than a metaphorical war of sorts very true and i think when we talk about personal growth i think we need to look at institutional milestones that are placed on people based on uh social uh, Social constructs, yeah. So stuff like uh, tax bracket or education or, you know, lifestyles. Like each of those things create milestones for people to use as a metric for personal development. Whether they're good or not is kind of irrelevant. Yeah. Age as a big contributing factor, such as, well, you should be at this point of your life at this age. You should be at this particular status by this age, or you're too young or too old to be in this particular status. Yep. And in a lot of cases, there are a bunch of differing uh, competing factors for why those things don't have the same gravity over time and definitely need to evolve with especially with modern modern and postmodern concepts look i understand when you co- when you contrast where we're at now with i'd even say like 20 or 30 years ago 
the the milestones that were that were in place then are much less realistic than they are now for varying reasons. And obviously, anybody can dispute this and be like, "Well, I pulled it off. I went, you know, I went to college, got married, had kids, have a mortgage, and all that kind of stuff." And it's like, "Well, that worked for you." Great, for very wonderful. Understand no, that that that's great for you, but outliers don't end up changing the average. That's the problem. Or right. you that's can, the, you uh, can, the, the actual statement anyway. You can buck a trend all you want, or you can, you know, c- confirm confirm that a milestone template works. Good for you. What you want to do is create a create a set of milestones that anybody at a base level can achieve. And in a lot of cases, if you look at the social structure, if you just put it on on paper, getting through elementary school, middle school, and high school were set as bare minimums for most people for a decent amount of time up until collegiates became a lot more accessible to people. And, and a lot of that had more to do with military background for a lot of people because people who had the military backgrounds at specific points in history, I want to say like going, I think it was started in like the fifties is when college was a bent was a side benefit to being, being enlisted in the army. I don't, I can't confirm or deny that obviously anybody can uh, give me greater times in that regard, but, I know people who had military backgrounds like, well, yeah, I, if it was, if it wasn't for, if it wasn't for the military, I probably wouldn't be doing what I'm doing, you know, being in a highly, highly profitable trade or being, you know, an accountant with, you know, with the college background necessary to do that kind of thing. There, there are different factors like that where it's like they found bypasses, but they did so w- by putting their life on the line for their country so those milestones to them seemed so much easier and ubiquitous because they did have the pathway beaten for them, whether by military per, military duty or having some kind of uh, wealth behind them to be able to propel them forward. And sometimes it could just be good old fashioned connections because it's all, as they say, it's all about who you know. Well, the military thing, you could also consider a connection. It's just a more general one. But if I want to play devil's advocate here, you could argue that – well, there, people have argued that it's not right for people to be forced, quote-unquote, to join the military to learn such skills or have such advantages. Now, I can see their point. I mean, I don't necessarily believe that you should be going off um, participating in what is generally believed to be warfare, for the most part, to have the opportunity to continue your education. It's a very complicated question to answer, unfortunately, because there are – you can make arguments on both sides – on how either it's a good or a bad thing to join the military. Because for one thing, it is, should you argue with the propaganda or, or is it patriotic to serve one's country? I don't know. I'm, 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 I'm kind of at an impasse here when it comes to that t- topic. 
I think most I think you'd find most people are at an impasse within within that construct because if if, if you look at the way the military is set up, it it, it it's just another set of building blocks for building a certain set of responsibility and camaraderie in that and it's most basic you can get into the the more meat and into the into the deeper meat if you wanted to with that and make you know assertions for negative and positive but it's in a lot of cases especially with especially in older times the military was used as a way to carve people into more respect more responsible citizens down the line and whether it by whether you were on the battlefield or you were you know building dams and you know working on military construction sites whatever the case may be having those building blocks were, were, were viewed as a way to keep society keep the wheels on society rolling and in a lot of cases and i don't and i know that this is still true in some counties around the united states but if you have cr- a criminal record uh, the military is was considered a a way to get out of that that uh, your your uh, pay, your payment your restitution to society and you know different accountings notwithstanding obviously it did actually create a series of a sense of reform for these people and created a sense a sense of brotherhood with other people in the military even if they had the criminal background because they viewed them as other people who were who were in the same boat as they were metaphorically speaking or unless they were in the navy um then it's a little bit more literal but it's it, <laughs> it, it definitely uh, i know i knew people who were in who who had jail time that they were looking at and they were handed basically that the ultimatum is like either you're serving your time in you know behind bars or you're serving your time out on the battlefield, your choice. And most cases, like, you, you, and I, I'm not going to look at the statistics on that one, but I would imagine common sense would tell you that you'd go for the easier route and you get martial training in the process, which I, I, for good or ill, I don't know. I, I mean, argue the- it won't necessarily be the easier route, but I will agree that it has the benefits there too. <laughs> because I know if I was in that position, God forbid I ever get arrested for a crime or whatever, if I ever commit one, God forbid, um, that if I was given the opportunity to join the military to serve my time, oh, hell yeah, I'd do it any fucking day of the week. See, a lot. the, the funny thing is, is I hear story, I heard stories from old coworkers who were in the, who were in the armed services, especially in the Navy and he said, "Serving on a boat's a pain in the ass, but serving on a boat when you're a uh, when, when you're a former prisoner or you're doing it in place of prison time, uh, there were a lot of people who were would rather be behind bars for whatever reason. And it could just be because of the social structure in place. They don't feel they have anywhere near the control over their lives that they thought they did. And for my and my thought is, why the hell would you ever think that you were in a regimented?" situation where you have higher ups who are who are watching over what you do and if especially if you're in the military for for penal reasons you're not the 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 oversight is probably much more much more authoritarian in that regard 
because you're not volunteering out of out of your own good graces. You're volunteering because you're trying to circumvent the uh, the, the judicial system in one way or another. And to be fair, it's anybody's guess which is worse: being on a battlefield or being behind bars. Safety is its own is its own reward, and survival is one of the greatest um, instincts we have. But I guess yeah, if you look, I guess if you're looking at it from a perspective, personally, I don't... go with the latter, only because okay, there was an example that I saw that actually made a lot of sense. It was a photo of two lions in two different locations. One was in a cage where the lion was in perpetual safety, got food for free, and it basically never had to worry about illness. For it was, it had free health care, and it looked miserable. Whereas there was a lion in the savannah in its natural habitat, nothing about its health, its food supply, or any of those factors were guaranteed, but it was wild and free. And it only goes to show that, I don't know, maybe maybe it's a taken out of context sort of thing, but the lion in the wild was happy, or at least it looked that way. The, 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 that just kind of goes to the obviousness of, you know, would you rather be in a gilded cage being fed every food you could ever dream of but never being able to leave it or being being in a state of, of nominal freedom where you can make your decisions but still have to take care of yourself? And, I, and it, it, that's I think, is a case-by-case scenario because it really depends on the, on the personality of the person you're talking about. More, much more, much more over when you when you break that kind of stuff down and kind of swinging back over to milestones and personal development. It, it it's anybody's guess if if that if even the military would be considered a set of personal developments, to, depending on who that person is. And I'm talking about volunteer. I'm not even talking about in, in the case of uh, incarceration. Yeah, fair because enough. Some people look at it, and as you said, they're forced to do so through circumstance, whether it be because they don't have the monetary compensation to just go into school or, or grades are a problem, too, in some cases. And they're looking at this as a, a way to circumvent a great deal of legwork that they feel they would need to have, because not only are you in the military and actually doing the things that that would entail, but in most cases, the training for your profession that you're going for is interwoven into the training that you do as a person in in the military. So those two things go hand in hand, and in some cases, it can it can lead to greater things going forward, or not, depending on how good you do in those two contexts. It really it it really ends up depending on you specifically. Responsibility, as you said, ultimately still falls upon the individual. I agree, one hundred percent. That might, and be as you said, but uh, I still agree. <laughs> well, it, it's also as you said, a lot of people just don't want to come to grips with the fact that they are ultimately the arbiters of their own happiness in whatever case that that entails. And they don't make the necessary sacrifices to be able to enjoy greater prosperity because it could be a way that they were raised. It could be a personality quirk. 
they tend to have a more you could argue more first scenario. You could argue the reason the a potential reason is that they see others who aren't struggling and they feel that why should they when others are not don't seem to struggle and the problem with that idea is that when it's like you said before when you're comparing your own merits to someone else you're always going to look either in envy or in dismay because the individual is different from one another it's unique so when you look at others and you start to look at your own shortcomings, yeah, of course it's going to look like they don't struggle, but you don't know the struggles they endured. Now, you can argue there are people who truly don't struggle and are doing well. Fine. Fair enough. But that's what happens when you roll the dice in life and they end up rolling the high numbers. It sucks. But unfortunately, inequality to some degree exists. And it's not something you can change. Inequality exists in the universe as an inevitable truth. And it's not something that you can force upon to change. Eventually, an inequality is forged. You mentioned before on how education levels, if it was all based on the, at the very minimum from, from elementary to high school. And even if you put every single person under the same conditions, under the same, under the same education levels, inequalities are inevitable. It will inevitably build just even on the same conditions. Why? Because it eventually forces forth. It, depending on, there are so many underlying factors that contribute to it. I agree. But if you look at the individual person in those, in those less than ideal situations, ultimately, ambition and personal drive will, will shore up those those negative aspects going forward. Agreed. Not saying that having those, having that cushion is not a good thing, but I personally find people who are quote unquote hungry to do good or hungry to do right by themselves. If I were, especially if I was in some specific, like a hiring situation, I'm going for the person who wants to do good. I'm going for the person who's going to bust their ass to do things. Pardon my French, but I want and I want that kind of thought process to go forward. And moreover, I want that kind of ambition and drive in middle in administration and honestly in every aspect of my business. But more, I want them in places of management because when you have people who are managers who can inspire those by their actions and being that kind of rallying cry you can get greater output from the people who work who work under that person and work for you by extension yeah if they're properly rewarded absolutely i agree but you also need to be aware and and i think a lot of a lot of people just don't understand this 
especially in management positions where they, they were higher where they hire people if they don't have an HR or even an HR there is that you need to compensate people for that level of active activity. Yeah, absolutely. And I, you, you and I will not disagree on that one at all. Oh no. But the problem absolutely. ends up being is as a manager, what you have access to, to be able to reward that person needs to be articulated on the front end or at the very least in the middle. If you, you know, if the person's getting their footing, like, Hey, yes, we, yes, we'll eventually be able to compensate you in this way, but this is all I can do within the constraints of the corporate structure that I have. And then these people should be allowed to go off and do greater things if they can't within the, within the confines of the of the, uh, the jobs, the job situation that they're in. Whether they can do that or not is irrelevant. It, it's it's an opportunity. Yeah, I agree with you one hundred percent. And getting back to the concept of milestones as a guideline for personal development, I think if you look at the basics of that, what 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 the what the assumption ends up being, and yes, again, inequality is a thing. The assumption is is that the people who emerge from just the basic training, as it were, are going to be mostly functional human beings. And I think that's where the falling down is starting to happen. Because I'm as somebody who's been who who's been in a middle in a in a lower to middle class family structure and was raised in that particular idiom, I don't I never, I never walked out of, I walked out of school and all of that feeling like I even knew what the hell I was doing at all. I felt there was, and that had less to do with school and more to do with just overall understanding of how the world functioned around me. You to know, be fair, I feel like school should really start implementing like life studies classes so that we can act, so that students are better prepared for the world like doing taxes, understanding their local or should, as to an extent, state ordinances, legislatures, and just look and basic maintenance of their homes or vehicles because it is something that really needs to be understood. And heck, okay, there was this one YouTuber, I forget his name, but he did a, uh, he did a musical song with uh, the odd ones out, if you ever heard of that channel. He... Basically, he made a famous video, or I should say infamous, depending on your perspective. He made a video that basically talked about the things that schools never really teach you and don't really prepare you for the real world. And And what he mentioned made a fair point. For example, do many of us even know our human rights? Do you know that we have over 30 of them? And most of us don't even know even five of them by memory. And that's a fair point. It's like this, these are some of the most important things that we should know about. And yet we know nothing. Now, the argument could be made that you should probably want to learn these things and look it up on your own. But such important things really shouldn't be just left for a person to just not want to to just leave them in their own vices to learn because eventually 
life hits them with a dump truck and gives them little opportunity to study them themselves. Well, it definitely turns into a trial by fire scenario at that point. And uh, going back to your statement about, you know, being a functional human being and having classes that cater to that prospect there uh, there's greater focus now, but those classes were always available. The problem ends up being is that your average student isn't going to focus on that. If they have a particular goal when it comes to where they want to be after school, after uh, high school, there's no, there's no prerequisite where they have to have a life studies class in which to do that kind of stuff. Because trust me, I, if I could le- if I could have learned better sewing techniques than I did, I'd be a much happier person because I would never have to worry about my clothing, you know, falling into disrepair as quickly as it did over the course of time. Because I'd eventually be able to fix the fix the patches and fix with patches and ho- on the holes that I have. But in, Maybe in other things like balancing a checkbook, it's hard. If I ever took auto shop. <laughs> Nobody should be expected to take auto shop. What they should be expected to do is understand the basic functions of a vehicle. So an intro class like that, which should be, should be mandatory unless for some reason you never plan on driving a car, which I mean, if you can pull that off, good for you, lower your carbon footprint, however you feel you need to, but being able to understand the basic the rudimentary functions of a vehicle should come with your we're learning about how to drive like that. That feels like a no brainer. It's like, we're going to teach you how to drive this vehicle. But if the tire ever breaks down, you're fucked. That seems, that seems obtuse to me. Yeah, I don't know. Maybe, actually- maybe, maybe I'm no. thinking it. Yeah. You're absolutely right. You're absolutely right. And it's even sadder than where people go and basically tell off that, Oh, the parents should teach you. And to be fair. Yeah. A parent should should teach you how to re- how to deal with those situations. But if the parents before never learned, guess who gets boned? The student that has now a flat tire and has no idea what the fuck to do. That, that, that feel, it feels like that should be something you worry about. And, and, having, and having taken a driver's ed, because I think we all have to one extent or another, unless you were exempt from it for some weird reason, Nope, you, I wasn't. I had to take it. Yeah, and it, when when you look when you get down to brass tacks on it, they do show you aspects of the vehicle, but it's in a very paper aspect. It's like, well, here you know, these are the wheels. This is the steering wheel. They show you the they show you the bare minimum to operate it, not the bare minimum to maintain it. Oil changes. They don't even show you the manual. Like, if I, I understand manual. Uh, uh, automatic transition is relatively new, but Jesus Christ, did you guys drop manual transmissions the moment automatic became available? Like fucking hell! At least make an effort to introduce the manual transmission. I had to learn man- manual transmission from a from, from a family member, and I couldn't fucking tell you how to make it work. Like <laughs> I have no, I have no idea. Like I, he, they, he showed me once, he showed me how the clutch worked. He showed me how to do shifting and downshifting and it all just fell out my ear because every vehicle I had after that was automatic. And, the, and to yep. answer your question, yes. When, uh, when automatic transmission became more prevalent, the need to get people onto ma- learning manual transmission became absolutely 
in in, in curriculum state in, in curriculum wise completely debunked or defunct because no one was going to go forward and do that kind of stuff and it was assumed that unless for some reason you chose a manual transmission you would have to ask for the, that kind of training now to be now now on the flip side the teachers had to know how to use manual transmission so if you wanted to learn how to use manual transmission you still had to learn on your own but they were a they had the materials to show you if that was going to be the case but yes i agree with you Every aspect of driving should be covered in that regard. So, yes, manual transmissions should at the very least be glossed over before you go on and show somebody how to use an automatic transmission because at it, the it, it's least, an aspect. I mean, we have cars. We still drive even if they're 30, 40 fucking years old. I mean, it, it should go without saying. It's not like this is um, – it's not like these are just minor aspects of your life. If you're fucking driving, it's one of the major aspects of your life. And at least it should be covered. And if we want to be realistic here, almost no one's going to be able to afford a car, especially when you're a goddamn teenager. So likelihood, if you do get to afford a car, it's going to be a shit wreck. Maybe likely to be a fucking manual transmission anyway. I think in most cases, it's kind of a 60-40 in the favor of automatic because I my first vehicle was an automatic transmission. It was a Dodge. But I'm sorry, fair. no, it wasn't a Dodge. My first car was a Cutlass. It was a uh, Oldsmobile Cutlass. But it was automatic transmission. So it didn't really matter. But you should still have it available as part of the curriculum. And another thing, it, it, it's still something that should contribute to the personal development of the, of the people who are taking your classes. They should at least have the materials necessary if they need to, to be able to, to make it work. Ironically though, as I've looked back, I keep, I feel like we would be the assholes. who would probably question, why do we go to learn manual? If we are just going to use automatic for the rest of our lives, I'd probably kick my teenage self in the ass and be like, shut up and learn you idiot. It may help you. Yes, because at the end of the day, th these places should just give you everything you need to be able to function. If you don't end up using it, that's completely fine. But cooking for yourself, cleaning after yourself, the, 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 and, and I agree with you going back to going way back. At the, it, learning begins at the home. So per parents, guardians should still be in charge of those aspects only really outsourcing to schools as they see as they see necessary and maybe that's why there wasn't a fo greater focus on uh, life studies as a curriculum thing up until recently because they realized that you know previous generations just weren't being taught what was necessary i learned tax exactly. I, learned to, I learned to prepare my taxes but from my from my aunt like I didn't learn that from my from my my mom my mom and dad that was that was another family member but it was still family who taught and I could argue that I learned it from you but technically it's because you recommended me to fucking TurboTax and that's where I learned to do my fucking taxes. To be fair, that program is stupid easy to use and it pretty much walks you through the process. So I didn't do it. Yes, yet. but that's I know, but I, I, I I'm giving you credit for it because you recommended me to use it. So I was like, okay, yeah, thanks. <laughs> for the most part it works so that's that's something that i can the very least attribute to glad to help i guess as far as the, as far <laughs> as like the other stuff's concerned just like yes tire rotation 
oil changes, basic maintenance on your vehicle. These are the things Radiate, that you should be radiator check, ra- fluid fluid check. That 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 should all be things that every person who plans on driving a car for their at any point in their lives should be in charge of it should be taken care of now i mean if utopia happens out of nowhere and we all end up with electric cars that have been subsidized by the government maybe it won't be nearly as prevalent but they still have wheels so you'll still have to do tire changes and shit so you do have those things screw you i'm keeping my car i may not be able to use it but it'll be a fancy paperweight in the yard exactly you can turn it you can turn it into a tent i don't know but in regards to those things, you're, you're, <laughs> in regards to personal personal growth, having those building blocks is definitely necessary, and you will not hear me argue to the contrary. It's just at the end of the day, the assumption by a lot of schools is that the parents are going to do some of the heavy lifting in that regard, not leave everything in their ball, every ball in their court. It's a bit, and that's how. Honestly, it's how it should be. But considering how lackluster our education systems have been for over a century, hell, you can compare it to those in the 19th century, and you'll find out how ridiculously similar they were. It's 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 eerie, very creepy, actually. But the point is, it's now. It's only now that we have put more emphasis on life studies for our students and it's a slow fucking start but it is about time so that way when they get older and they end up having the next generation they can actually start putting in more they can actually start contributing more so that teach so that the education system isn't so over stressed from wondering what the hell needs to be taught to these kids, or maybe it'll keep them on their toes. I don't know. Having do having that level of uh, having that level of uh, I don't even know what the word I'm looking for is. Shit, having that level of um, necessity, or at the very least, drive. I guess drive would be the word I'm looking for. Having that level of drive is always is always crucial to people learning things that would help them grow as a person that is awesome. friction as it were and, and and that kind of calls back to the concept of conflict and something that phil and i were talking about a couple episodes ago but the, it, having that necessary pre- pushback is what compels people to better themselves now obviously the degree is always something that you have no control over but you, you know you hope it's not something that's traumatizing obviously but no, it's a, that actually makes a lot of sense. No, you're absolutely right. It, or, improvement cannot exist without the – this is why so many people uh, hate the idea of judgment. You always hear the phrase, don't judge me. But the idea of the judge is that that person is what you're trying to aspire to, at least the skill level of what profession you're going for or what skill you're trying to master they're the standard and you'll and they need to look at you to see if you've either reached their standard or you're not ready there's a certain kind of there's a certain uh, narcissism that comes with just being human in general and a lot of people have to get past that it's something that we're kind yeah, of strapped with as 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 
infants and toddlers and such because there's a certain level of uh, central focus for ourselves that doesn't, depending on what happens in your life, doesn't generally get blown away until you get old enough to understand that you aren't the center of the universe. Sometimes it happens early on, yeah. which, I mean, it sucks, but it happens. Because you should have that <laughs> sorry because well, no, like the the, the, the you, you just have to be able to take what what is const- the problem is is perception is a bitch when it comes to that kind of stuff because constructive criticism is what it is is constructive first than criticism second but it really depends on the focus that you personally the one being criticized put on those aspects if you feel like you're just being needlessly criticized with no forward pro- progression to be gleaned from it, you're not going to listen to somebody, even if they're trying to be proactive. Because one of two things, you may not have a favorable disposition to the person who's critiquing you for whatever reason. It could be you just don't like the person. You know, you just have friction with them beyond just your normal friction. Or you don't feel that they are qualified to be able to make that kind of judgment. And those are the reasons, those are what ends up being the things that end up causing people to not take advice from other people, even if it's necessary for them to develop as a person in either the activity they're doing or the vocation that they're trying to go into. That's, that, that, that's, that's a-, a level of narcissism that needs to be, be, that needs to be driven off. You need to want to better yourself and you need to sit at the feet of the feet of the masters in that regard. If somebody is willing to teach you and sees potential in you, why you wouldn't take that opportunity to learn from them is a failing of is is your own failing because you're were, you weren't taught that every, that not every person is trying to shit on you. Some people actually give a shit about you as a person. The point of it is trying to figure out and parse who those end up being, and I think that's where the the breakdown happens. And that. I actually agree with you. I actually had a similar experience to that in high school, my senior year with my biology teacher, rest his soul, because he was trying his damnedest to get me to do my damn work. And <laughs> that ended up not being the pick, the, the, the case, because I knew the topic enough that I could easily uh, past the class, but I was woefully lazy at that particular point because it was my graduating year. <laughs> and he he clearly saw potential in me because when the this was the college level uh, biology course, by the way, and we were re- well, we weren't required to take the AP test, but I took it because I was failing and that I was given the stipulation that if I you know, if I did well in the exam, I would pass the class. I ended up doing so well in that class. I did better than everybody else in that exam. And my teacher shows up at the final day as I'm inside the, I believe I was in my counselor's office. And he looked at me with utter disdain with the words, why couldn't you do this well in class? And I'm like, I have never seen a teacher erupt like this before. I, I've, I've worked – I've in, in my class, in my school history, I've run into people who are the lackadaisical prodigies, the individuals who are so ridiculously smart that 
the the paradigm that they exist in feels beneath them. And you hear that story all the time. Like, oh, well, I don't think he's being challenged enough, and that's the problem. It's like, well, you really do need to figure out what that challenge is because dumping a bunch of paperwork on him, he might not respond the way you think he might and go, oh, this is a new hill I can climb to get better. He might just go, uh, no. Shell shock is a thing when it comes to schooling. And, you know, dumping yourself into into AP classes because my, my wife did a lot of that where she would start taking a she took a bunch of AP classes over the course of her high school history and it became overwhelming like the prospect and it, it, it could have been a personal experience for her in that regard but like the you, you really do especially as a high schooler you don't have the coping mechanisms to be able to mitigate that level of work and stress you're 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 building those blocks up then so inundating yourself you really do need to be aware of your boundaries not so that you can sit within them comfortably so that you have a jump off point to be able to surpass them and i think that ends up being the problem for a lot of people with that kind of thing it's like well what's your well this is my boundary I, i this i'm not comfortable doing this okay well what we're well what you can do is this this and this and then you'll be able to do that and still be comfortable within your own understanding of things the workarounds are there it's just people don't tend to look for them they tend to look for excuses and that that ends up being a lot of the headache for people in schooling and in real life like if you want to put it on paper like that that the looking for looking for solutions if you're willing to wrap your mind around it, find the more, uh, the more, uh, um, the, the more sh- shortcut ways, they're all there and you'll still get the same results. It's just a matter of being able to, being able to puzzle it together. I, I think, I think in, in, in summation, as far as personal, as far as personal growth is concerned, you, you should never, unless it's somebody who's in a profession that you are trying to get into, you shouldn't try to aspire to obtain what they have obtained. You should aspire to learn from them any way you can, if they are giving you the opportunity to do so. There's always nice to have a healthy rivalry in things. And it does, it does create a set of, uh, create a nice juice of ambition to work with when it comes to a lot of the more challenging aspects of, a job or a hobby or a a career further down the line. And it needs, and while that's the case, learning and growing tends to be the best way to do things. So. No, of course. Friendly. As if you're a Pokemon player, the one thing that we always get annoyed by is a friendly rival. But in real life, the one thing you should have is a friendly rival. Because at the end of the day, you should respect the person for whom you're trying to quote unquote outperform or or outmatch at some point. Um, Because the one thing in personal growth, they're helping you at the end of the day. They are your mode. They become essentially your motivating factor to improve. And that is something that should at the very least be respected in that regard. Agreed. And on the, on the flip side of that, the scholars who are willing to, who are willing to train you are people who should be respected as well. Obviously. 
I agree with that. Obviously, depending on your pro or depending on your sensibilities, it might be a little bit more difficult. Like you were saying, your your poor biology teacher tried his damnedest, but here, there you are. Yeah, the I was the idiot, and apparently uh, an idiot savant. At the very well, you can, all the intelligence in the world doesn't help you if you lack the motivation to do anything with it, and that's what frustrated him. <laughs> at least he knows, at the very least. Well, wherever he may be, that, hey, I hear you. I know I screwed up. Just know that uh, whatever path I have to take to get to the top now, I'll be thanking you at the very least. Fair enough. For everything you've done. Yeah. Um, just to be on the side note, uh, last episode happened to be one of my favorites just because – it happened to be about pretty much the first time I've ever taken lead in our discussions in any podcast. And I feel that was a moment of personal growth for me. So just being able to do it again is uh, it's a great experience for me. Uh, if I, if you get, if, if you and our, and our audience get anything out of this, the, the nine or so people who listen to this, I'm, I'm glad. I, 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 as I've said from, as I've said from day three, from day three, I guess we'll say my objective is to create a situation where we're, we're postulating on things that are happening in the real world. And if anybody gleans any kind of value from it at the end of the day is so much the better. I'm, I, I'm not, I'm not trying to go for the stars in this particular scenario because with, with without a without a firm set of feet on the ground, I'm not going to be jumping that high. And I think that everybody in everybody who listens, that's the general way of looking at things. Practical outlook on things is something that's very undervalued in this world, especially because there's so much more ethereal stuff that people focus on. And it, I think if you don't strike that balance. You, you tend to be you tend to be more you tend to create more unrealistic goals for yourself that ultimately end up failing always be always be able to under always be able to create scenarios that you can undertake and always be aware of how far you're willing to overextend to overtake to to undertake those uh, activities whether it's just dealing with you know something at home or it's dealing with schooling or it's dealing with something far greater. Always understand your limitations so that you can surpass them if you need to. A lot of people, like I said, a lot of people just get help, get use it, use it as their personal prison, and they're, and they're the ones who hold the key to their own jail when it comes to their limitations. What, what you need to be doing is finding your limitations and using that as the as the starting point for going forward and developing how you are as a person in those devil's advocate. You can also argue that they are using that said prison in fear to protect themselves, because if they feel that they aren't restricted anymore, or I should say they aren't held back by any excuses and that they still fail, then all the blame goes squarely to them. And I think that's something that people really need to understand, that success cannot come without the risk of failure. Agreed. And that's something you have to 
you ha- that's something you have to learn to accept. You cannot succeed if there is no chance of failure. It seems obvious when you put when you say it out loud, but it's never factored in for a lot of people. And that's where and that where the that's where the breakdown happens. If you it doesn't factor in because they are probably using other people's success to reflect upon instead of their own success. And I think that's the biggest problem. We go all the way back once more about an hour ago that if we use other people's success to measure up and compare to our own, then we're not do we're not doing right by ourselves. Agreed. Because even you can follow a blueprint, you can follow a life blueprint to the letter and end up with different results. And the factors in place are, are, the, are the variable that ultimately end up causing you to have the problems that you have in, within that paradigm. And people never think about that. They say, well, I did it exactly the way he did it. Why didn't mine turn out this way? Because you're not a science experiment, that's why. Well, not in the same, not in the same caliber. No, if you want to look at, you want to look no, at the, human, the you want to look at the human the... experience as a whole. We are all science experiments to one extent or another. But when it comes to living your life, that is absolutely correct. We aren't science experiments. I in that in a, in a microcosm. In the roughest definition, though, you can't really say that only because an experiment is something you can replicate, and you can't really replicate everyone's lives. It just comes up with a new – you could have similar circumstances, but you can't really replicate. So it's not something you can really feasibly say. That's why I, meant, that's why I said that because hu- that humans aren't science experiments because in the end of the day, no matter how similar our experiences are – there will be too many variables that make the difference in how our lives end up. Correct. Measure yourself by yourself. Take, uh, take any chance you can to learn at the feet of people who are greater than yourself in it within your vocation or chosen path. Be prepared to fail, but always Cherish. be prepared to bounce back. Cherish your small victories, but don't be, don't get too cocky. Right. <laughs> Always have humility in everything that you do. It's more, it is definitely the focus there. And understand that you have, you have finite time, but it's a lot more than you think it is to be able to make things better for yourself in the long run. Ultimately, it's up to you how you want to go about with your life. You can stay, I should say, unenlightened, or maybe not. Um, at the end of the day, it's your choice on how you want to go about with your life. You can continue on blaming others or blaming everything else for how things are in your life, or... You can look at yourself, be honest with yourself, and make the changes that you can change and accept the ones you can't. You are ultimately the arbiter of your own personal development and your happiness. No one else is. Even if you get married and everything else and you do have a more communal relationship in that regard, 
you are still one person in that paradigm. While you may make each other happy, you ultimately have to be happy with yourself as much as you're happy with, with who you're with. And to be fair, it's a bonus if you can be happy for yourself. No, if you can make yourself happy along with your wife, because you, with your spouse, it's going to it's just going to make it's going to enrich the marriage that much more. Agreed. Absolutely. I think that wraps it up. I well, think that wraps had, it up pretty nicely. Yeah. I agree. Thank you for joining in, everyone who has listened in. I hope you aren't too drunk from our uh, our specialty this evening. You all have a wonderful day, and join us next week. We'll have a different drink ready for you to indulge. All right. So <clears throat> you can find our podcast on the Anchor app itself if you have it. Um, the Anchor app also publishes to Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Overcast, Breaker, CastBox, and a few choice others. Um, if any of those platforms are defunct, obviously ignore them, but the major ones are Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, etc. Uh, you can contact us individually if you wish. Um, I am at Punk Toast. I'm sorry. I am Punk Toast on Twitter. There's no at there. Um, you can also contact me via Instagram, also at Punk Toast. Go ahead, uh, Harma. What's your what's your shtick? You can find me as the Ragnarok Knight on Twitter as well. It has been a pleasure discussing with you tonight. Thank you for Absolutely. joining us. Thank you all, and uh, this has been Captain Mediocre's Haunted Tiki Bar. Please join us next time at the bar, where we will serenade you with more rants and insanity, as we often do. Keep your wits about you, and have your booze ready. Cast off, friends.